Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and thank you for the wondrous news of the gospel that uh, you have given Christ for us and uh, that we are saved because of his finished work. We're saved because of his life he lived and we receive his perfect righteousness and we're thankful for the death that he gave that we might uh, have your anger propitiated, taken off of us so that today we come to you in and through Christ always able to find grace and mercy in time of need and so we come today uh, looking for that in Christ our Savior rejoicing that you've promised it and given it and fulfilled it in him may we rejoice in the gospel for we pray in Christ's name Amen We have uh, been talking in this class for a while about being uh, gospelizers. Uh, we have uh, done some different things, but we have looked at um, what the gospel is, trying to summarize it in a verse or a set of verses. And what I'm giving you today is a, a gospel summary by Mark Deaver, and uh, he's at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Uh, and these are just helpful for you to see points of the gospel. He has uh, summarized these. I put them in outline form because I, he had them in uh, paragraph form, but when I see them in outline form, that's the way I think and, and stuff, and so you're stuck with that. Uh, but it helps me to kind of move down from A, B, and move over, and when I memorize things, I do it the same way. So that's just helpful for me. Uh, and then on the back are some scriptures um, also. Uh, that, 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 that summarize the gospel the one in uh, Mark having to do with repentance that's always needed to turn from our sin and turning to Christ and then in Ephesians uh, just showing that it's by grace and not one iota of our salvation is due to our works um, and if we're ever dependent upon our works for our salvation there's only one place where we will go and it will be hell um, so we are dependent on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the good news. The bad news is if we ever depend on our own righteousness, we're in trouble. And so um, uh, we are going to be talking about gospel summary today. And just to get this in your mind, just to understand what the gospel is, what is the good news. Um, um, there was two articles in the paper this past week that people uh, shared with me, and so uh, I'm just going to read parts of them. The one is from um, the uh, Boston Globe, and um, talking about how uh, on the tea, if you take the tea, you'll find these, but there are outreach ads for atheists. And... Uh, so uh, just know that the atheists are getting uh, into themselves and excited. They have lots of books right now on the uh, New York Best uh, Times bestseller list. And uh, they're making their case to the world and encouraging uh, all the people out there that don't believe in God, that they're good people especially. It's, uh, it's not only good not to believe in God, but if you don't believe in God, you are good. And, of course, uh, that is the opposite uh, of, the, of the gospel message. The gospel message is that there's good news. We are made good through the work of Christ, but in being sinners, we're not good. So, it's, this is just read part of the article so you can just understand the culture we live in. Pretty close. 
uh, the culture we live in if these ads are on the T. But they're all over the United States and the world. The uh, atheists are, 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 are coming out of the closet, so to speak, and uh, proud of it, and uh, pro- not just being there, but proclaiming that message loud and clear. Besides ads beckoning believers to explore Islam, attend services at the Boston Chinese Evangelical Church, or learn the healing powers of Christian science, the walls of the city subway cars will make room this month for another creed, non-belief. A group called the Boston Area Coalition of Reason has spent $11,000 to buy ads in more than 200 subway cars in the red line and green line to raise awareness about people who believe that God is a myth. Surveys suggest that they account for an increasing number of Americans. The ads, which were unveiled yesterday, will be up next month, are set in the background of a blue sky with puffy clouds, and bold lettered message reads, Good without God? Millions of Americans are. And uh, so just know and that you'll be seeing that around. Uh, it's not only a message that has really been out there anyhow, that we can earn our salvation, that uh, at the end, when God judges, if there is a God, of course they would say there isn't, but uh, if there is a God, people through the ages have said we're good through our own good works. And uh, the gospel message is, the, is not, uh, that's not part of it. So just understand the culture we live in. And yet at the same time, um, one of the things that churches in particular and biblical and conservative churches are moving to and knowing is that New England is, uh, is indeed um, a spiritually cold area and a place to send evangelists. And uh, I not only know that uh, the PCA is working to seek to um, um, add more churches, if God will allow, in New England, but also the uh, Southern Baptists and the Conservative Baptists and uh, other uh, especially conservative uh, uh, Christian groups have seen New England now as a, as a mission field uh, to, to start sending as much energy and time as they do to foreign nations. Um, and, um, and so... Uh, this article is in the Associated Press. It says, it's, uh, it's hard to tell in the quiet of the color-splashed autumn morning, but Redeemer Fellowship Church is trying to set roots in a rough neighborhood. Until this new church opened last month in the 19th century Congregational Church building in suburban Watertown was empty for nearly two years. And just across the street, a closed Baptist church is filled with condos. So it is a former Catholic church a half mile away. Dead churches are a familiar story in New England, with recent surveys indicate is now at least it is the least religious region in the country. Um, but some see the opportunity as a place where American Christian faith laid its roots to come back and evangelize again. So uh, uh, you're living in a mission field, and uh, part of what our job to do is to be gospelizers, is to be missionaries. Uh, to love our friends and neighbors in uh, Christ's name. So, um, uh, that's out there. <laughs> Surprise anybody? Probably not. Yeah. All right. Um, Evangelized, or at least, no, it was, I think the article I read was the least um, religious. Mm-hmm. Except in one sense that um, it, 
understand that New England is just as religious as any other place in the world because atheism is a religion. Um, It's a a world belief that you, you live on and depend upon. And so all men have a religion. They don't always call it God, but all, all people have, in a sense, their own higher power or this thing they depend on and learn, uh, learn of and trust in. And so for New England, much of it's education. You know, if you can have enough degrees or go to the right schools, then you're set for life. And, and uh, who knows, maybe Harvard has a great place in the sky for the uh, way lots of people are thinking of or something else. So... <laughs> I think they do for all Christians. <laughs> uh, okay, let's um, let's look at um, Mark Deaver's summary and just go over it. Some people, as we go through this class, are going to be frustrated because uh, if I would have taught this class. 20 years ago, um, probably up here, and if I would have taught it 10 years ago, almost anywhere else in the nation, I I may have given you a little track. Um, One I like to use that I always keep in my Bible is, who is God? Right? And if, if we had gone through this little track, we would have uh, talked about uh, uh, who, who man is, the nature of man, and the nature of God, and that we're sinners, and that we need a Savior. And you'd go through that, and, and people in the culture, in our culture, in our nation, would have, if, even if they didn't understand it all, they would have had some memory of it. There was a cultural memory of Christian things in a nation that was founded on Christian principles. Right? But more and more, even talking about those different things, people don't have a clue about. And so part of our evangelism is that we have to even talk about that there is truth and then help people understand what those truths are. And so our whole evangelism is much different than it would have been uh, 20 years ago and even 10 years ago. Um, And so I'm going to give you outlines. I'm going to give you important areas of the gospel to know. But very seldom do you ever get to go over all of them with someone. And and you need to develop relationships with people and go over parts of them. Talk about their worldview and where they are and where truth is. And so uh, uh, can this kind of thing work today? Well, of course it can. But in our culture, more than often than not, it won't. Um, because of where people are just in their hearts and minds. And so I'm not going to give you a lot of these. If you want some, I can give you some if you like them. And, and um, I'm not, probably not going to have you memorize uh, the evangelism explosion uh, method or gospel, although it's perfectly fine and it's great, and it would be a good outline to put in your mind um, to have the gospel and know the gospel. Um, but I'm just going to probably give you more than that as broad summaries um, for us to know and understand. In fact, as you'll find out later as I preach today, uh, if, you've, if, if, uh, if I'm not thinking straight or uh, worked up, uh, I'm probably more worked up today than I've been in a long time. Um, because 
it's not just the gospel out there somewhere um, in the culture that's not known but in seminaries across America seminaries very close to us today the gospel is being lost the gospel is often no longer there and uh, and uh, and and there's one time that Paul took off his gloves with people, the apostle. And it was when it affected the gospel. And as I've been working and thinking through this and praying through it today, I have been seldom so uh, exercised. And so if you see me exercised, uh, pray for me today. Pray that I'll be gracious and kind um, but brothers and sisters, we have no hope outside of the gospel, outside of this good news that Christ saves us. And, uh, and so uh, this is of desperate importance. Let's go over uh, Deaver's summary. Well, let's actually, let's first look at the scripture. <laughs> That's a better place to start, and then we'll see the way Deaver uh, summarized the scripture. So you can go to the back, back place first. And actually, we'll really go backwards. We'll start with the conclusion. How's that? Because actually, what's, what's been happening in different ways, the more liberal um, churches have been going on with this, what I'm going to be talking about this morning, and I'm so exercised about today, is, 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 well, first of all, I want you to understand that the attacks on the gospel that we have, the truth that Christ saves us by his death for us and his righteous life lived for us, it isn't, is seldom really attacked from the outside the church. And when it is attacked from the outside of the church, it, the church usually is, grows because we're persecuted. But the real problem is, is that when it comes from inside the church, and the quote we have here is, is a quote that you would recognize how liberal it is, right? And it's from inside the church, Robert Schuller at the conclusion here, who, is a, he, who came from a Reformed church originally, but has lost the Crystal Cathedral, understand it's lost, understand there's no gospel there. Um, and, uh, and you can see why, if you just follow this uh, quote from, from Schuller himself, he says this in the, in, the, in the conclusion, I don't think anything has been done in the name of Christ and under the banner of Christianity that's proven more destructive to human personality and hence counterproductive to the evangelistic enterprise than the unchristian, uncouth strategy of attempting to make people aware of their lost and sinful condition. If you're not aware of your lost and sinful condition, how can you know that you need a Savior? Alright? The good news is good because you're lost. And now you're found and you're saved. Right? I hope you could read that. And of course, if, if it was just one quote, I, I'm not just uh, fishing for one quote for, from Robert Schuller. This is his, his general message and it has been for years. Okay, I just haven't... Um, uh, cherry-picked and gone for one. It's just one that was particular that I could find quickly. So you find that within the liberal church. And if you look at Mark, look uh, above and in Mark one. Well, first of all, if you can, let's, let's, yes. 
Yes. This sounds so like the atheist It sounds just like it. Just don't talk. Just tell people that they're good. We're good. You know, yeah, good, good, good insight. It, it is, but, 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 but the, what Marg is saying, if, if, you would, if, if you would talk to Marg and she would define what a church is, she would tell you that that's no church. Okay? But to the world, and, and I would say easily 50% of quote-unquote evangelicals, they'll see the Crystal Cathedral and they'll go, wow, and they'll watch television. And, and see the personalities up there and go, wow, look at that. There's. Uh, and he's telling me I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that he came from, originally came from the one of the foreign traditions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he wasn't in the church and he was born in the And uh, I think actually he, I don't know for sure, I'd have to check, but I think he probably is still ordained with one of those liberal reformed groups even today. Um, so, um, But hopefully you could read that and know that there, go ahead, Andy. It's similar, it's gotten there certainly, yeah. Um, and 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 we know that the gospel, the good news, doesn't make sense without the bad news. For all of Romans six twenty three twenty three, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? That that's the part we're under God's wrath. But Romans six twenty three, that the free gift of salvation is uh, belief through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And his 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 uh, his work. So there's good news, but it doesn't make sense to the bad news. Now, let's just look at the quote since we're in the conclusion. Romans 1, 16 and 17. That we have to be careful, and what I think he is, is, I think he's ashamed of the gospel. I think he's ashamed to have to tell people and upset them that they're bad, right? And, and the reason that we can't be ashamed of even having to tell people hard things we're spiritual doctors, right? And we have to tell people, you have cancer. Right? Sin is a cancer that everyone has that's eating away at our souls. Unless it's radically amputated, removed, covered, taken out, the person will die spiritually. And when your doctor comes and tells you, even as kindly and graciously as he may, that you have cancer and you must do something to live, you don't say, oh, horrible, stinky doctor. You know, you thank the doctor and you hope that he can tell you what you need to live. Right? And so we can't be, have terrible bedside manner. 
with people when we tell them they're dying and, and have cancer or this, of sin, but we must gracious and kind and say, we've been there too, we've had the same surgery. It's the only hope. But, uh, but without that, they will die, right? And so we, we dare not be ashamed uh, of, of our profession as gospelizers and the message we have, right? So Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is written, written the righteous shall live by faith. Of course, we know that faith is faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, live, live, his death given for us, and his life, his righteousness given to us. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We don't want to deal with that because if if it's like you're a salesman, right? You don't want to give them the fine print that you know you buy this thing, but it has to be tuned up every year, or every six months it needs this. Right or or we you know salespeople you know read all the nice points all the nice bullets right to get you to buy the thing but they don't tell you the stuff you take it home and if you ever look at the manual then you go oh my I didn't know it had all this I mean one simple thing for us and it wasn't a salesman uh, well I, you know Marg bought a toothbrush an electric toothbrush had to replace one right. And so she bought one, it was on sale, took it home, and, and she has, uh, what, gingivitis or something like that? Gum stuff, right? And so she needs a gentle toothbrush, right? And the one she bought, as we took it home and, and, and she was reading the directions, oh yeah, you hit the button twice and it goes to gentle cycle, right? But as we looked at the number, that's not the one we bought, right? Well, she didn't know that and didn't know gentle. She figured it would be on there, and it's not, you know. It wasn't a salesman, but if I were a salesman and I was huxting these things, you know, I wouldn't say, well, it doesn't have a gentle cycle. I'd say, look, it's on sale, and it's, you do so much greater job with your teeth, right? And, we, and so as we tell people about the gospel, we think that we have to be the salesman, right? And we have to make it good, and so we often will skip the bad news of there being sinners estranged from God and needing a Savior, but if you go back, look at the first scripture we have here, Mark 1, 14 and 15. And here is the summary of Christ starting his ministry. It says, now after John, John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is hand. And here's the gospel of God now summarized, repent. Which means you're, you know, we know from the rest of the scripture, right? You're a sinner. You have to have a savior. Repent of being your own God and living by your own righteous works. Repent of that and believe in the gospel. Right? And so there, there is no understanding. People don't understand the good news, really understand the good news of Christ. Unless they understand the bad news that without Christ, you're a sinner and going to hell. Yes. Well, we can say that 
I think especially when we do it with uh, big signs or loud and screaming or do it with little children, you know, and uh, we're, we're like a little monster uh, doing that. But that is absolutely true, and we need to tell people that if they don't trust Christ, judgment is coming, and there is no hope for them. But there's a very gracious and kind way to do that. It's much like I was trying to say earlier, the difference of the bedside manner between a, 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 a caring doctor and, and one who isn't, right? And yet at the same time, um, there are times when your children run out in the middle of the street and they're going to get hit by a, a car, right? And you don't go, oh, Sally, won't you please? You know, there are times, but it's not all the time, you know, but there will be times when it will come loudly and straight forth, and that's the only way that people can hear it. But you have to ask God for wisdom and care. So, yeah, but that shouldn't be our, our standard fare. But it's true, we can't skip over it because it is a part of it. Yeah. You mean because you mean because we won't have time in every conversation to have the whole truth, exactly. right? Okay. Sometimes you have to give them no first choice. You can't. They're not ready for something. Yeah, it's a it's a relationship. It's developing a, a truth. Let's go back to the doctor analogy. If you're a doctor, you need to, if you're a surgeon or whatever, you need to learn your skills the best way possible you can. But, it, but, but if you're a Christian doctor, you know, you do your surgery and trust God, right? And the person dies and you don't have to, you know, go, oh, you know, I mean, if you were faithful and sought to do your best, because whether they live or die depends on the outcome is, is the Lord's, right? And so we need to be as skilled surgeons as we can spiritually in knowing the Word of God and, and knowing the truth and being able to bring it to people, but the outcome is the Lord's. Yes. Yeah. Pat? Thank you. 
just marked because it's a, it's a summary uh, of of the gospel and uh, and what happens in it. So Ephesians 2 starting in verse 1 and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. What can a dead man do to save himself? Nothing. And once you walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that the spirit that's now in work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. There's a lot in there to talk about, right? The, the bad news is certainly there, right? And, and you can, uh, and you can uh, look at the scriptures that fit with that and understand uh, where we are on our own. But, I, uh, <laughs> someone... I don't know if it was irreverently or not, but once said, I'm going to do a study on the big butts in the Bible. (laughs) And this is a big butt. (laughs) It really is, but you know, in a different way. This butt is so important, right? We were, say, we were in this horrible position, but God, right? That's our only hope, but God. Rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not as a result of works that so no man may boast. We never have anything to boast in, in our own works and our own righteousness. And once we come to Christ, then there are good things for us to do. Works that God has set aside for us because we're His and we love Him. And so verse 10 is there. For we are now in Christ, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So then if you're in Christ, your life should change. Never saves you, never adds merit to who you are, but it's being obedient to Him because you love Him and because of what Christ has done for you. So in this passage in Ephesians, you really do get the, the, whole, uh, the whole flow of the gospel. I found it a very 
helpful passage uh, to have with others and, and to have with my own mind um, just in what's there. And so, uh, well, let's go ahead and get back to the beginning. Uh, and this summary that might be helpful for you um, that Mark Dever has put together in his book, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. The good news is, and if I would have done my outline better, I probably would have stopped and put one down after that, but anyhow. The good news is, is the one and only God who is holy and made us in his image to know him. But we sinned and cut ourselves off from him. God, the good news is God wants a relationship with his creation. The bad news is, is because of our sin, we're cut off from him. And in his great love, God became a man in Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law himself and taking on himself the punishment for our sins and all those who would ever turn and trust in him. He rose again from the dead. What, what, does, the, what does Christ, what does Easter about? And uh, his risen, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and the wrath against us has been exhausted. Christ's sacrifice is all that's ever needed for us. We don't add to that. We can't add to that. There's nothing we can add to his finished and perfect work. We are loved because of what Christ has done for us and not what we do ourselves. He now calls us to repent of our sins and trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again again into a new life and eternal life with God. So that gives you a summary, right? It gets you to the different points. It might be something that's helpful for you. It might be something you stick in your Bible, you know. Uh, it might be something you memorize. Um, Pat Yo a couple weeks ago gave me a summary from a pastor. If you have those, any of those, and want to send it on to me, it'd be great. Um, but the, the thing is to get one for you so you can get it stuck in your mind so that when you are talking to people, uh, you will begin to talk about God's grace. You know, I have never... Let me just tell you what's beginning to change in me um, and why I'm starting to be more gospel-oriented than I ever have before is understanding the gospel. You know, one of the things I think I'm finding out about the gospel is you never understand it all. I think the more you don't understand it is the more you understand it. And what I mean by that is understanding how grand and great it is. It used to be that my gospelizing, sharing the gospel was, Jesus has saved me, and now to be obedient, I've got to go out and share that gospel. And, ugh, oh, I'm not very good at doing it. Ugh, man, I'm so bad. You know, there's always this heavy burden uh, of feeling, I'm not a very good Christian. I'm not sharing the gospel. Ugh. And so sharing the gospel and stuff became, I mean, it's easy to share it here, right? You all already believe it. You like it. You love it. You want to hear it more, right? That's easy. Going out there, that's where it's hard, right? And when I go out there with this burden, oh, I got to share the gospel. You know, it's just. 
terrible. But now it's, oh my. I wake up in the morning, I'm a forgiven person. God loves me because of Christ. I don't know any better news than all of that. I'm not only loved today, I'm loved through eternity. And my neighbors don't have it. And the heck, I don't need to send them another GPS. I need to tell them about the best news. And just becoming to understand and love Christ and the gospel has started to make me a gospelizer. Because it's such good news. It's better than any new car I might leave my sticker on for a couple of days. Have you guys ever do that before? You know, Time in your life where you did that, you know? Drive around with a sticker. Maybe none of you ever had a new car. I had one once. That's why we'll share this. Because it's just the greatest thing there ever is. It's what drives us. It's... I can't tell you how many times in my life, in my Christian life, I got up in the morning just depressed. Because I sin. And, and overwhelmed and, and just saying there's no hope because I sin every day. Now I wake up and I say, oh Lord, you still love me. Thank you. What could I do today? And that's good news. And when you get the gospel in your heart, when you get the gospel so you know it, it begins to be something that's just wonderfully radical and grand to share with others. And these summaries, I hope, will help. I hope it will be an encouragement for you to get the truth and get what is really the gospel.
when we should repent and God has the salvation and you don't see it well if you want to be chosen you know you, you should repent I don't know if that is but you know, that's not part of the way we deliver the message it's part of our perspective of understanding it when we come to salvation but as far as what we present to people with the gospel it's straightforward you know you are a sinner but God has provided loving what um, what Doug had has said I think half of it as far as he was talking about doctrine is absolutely true that God does not call everyone he has we seeking to be biblical believe that Christ died for his people died for the elect his death was for his children but the problem is we don't know who they are and the gospel call is always a universal call to the whole world because we don't know who will be saved we always say you are a sinner if you respond you will be saved. And so, yeah, you're, you're being careful with doctrine there, but I wouldn't say to a person, and if, I wouldn't say you may or not be one of the elect. I'm saying you're a sinner. God calls sinners to repent. Your job is to repent. Because, because if you respond, you have been called. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I, again, right. I, I'm bringing up the, the point just for clarity's sake mm-hmm. here, because that's not indicated in, in some way. I'm not suggesting that we need to be that particular in the presentation of the mm-hmm. gospel, but it is important for us to right. keep, to keep yeah. this in mind. And that's, where, and that's where we don't have to keep going on and on and on, because the one God calls will come. And right. Right. So when I present the gospel, I never say, you know, saving. I, I tell people they can understand God's love by, in the, to his creation and to all men by looking at the sunshine and breathing the air. But I never say to anyone I don't know, God loves you in a saving way. I will never say that Christ died for them. I, say, I don't say that Christ died for you and you. I say Christ died for sinners, and if you respond to him, then then uh, you appropriate his, his death because he, he didn't die for all he died for his people yes by that, it did not mean that it was precedent and time, to order and order. And it did not mean that the milder did not interpret the line But if you're very careful with that, this is something that is uh, fundamental and very Faith, faith and repentance are linked together. You will not repent or you will not have faith unless you're regenerated. 
Right, but we, God knows that. We don't know that. Otherwise, you know, we can easily be Yeah. I would just say R to be happy. If we depend for things for things, 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 for Say it again. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are we have been born again into a new life and and eternal life is there. Yeah, and what you're concerned about is the instrumentality, I think, right? That it's God who is causing us to be born again, and we're not able to cause ourselves to be born again, right? So it's an instrumentality, and it's a, it's a way to make sure that you don't go down the Arminian um, thinking that, that salvation is dependent upon us and our choice rather than God's call. Right? Um, Victor's bringing up a point that I want to I want to go to in the scriptures. Um, I'm trying to think with it, some would be able to find it fairly quickly, but let's go to the place where um, it's in the Old Testament, and um, God says that His word never returns void. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Yes. Your illustration earlier of the doctor and the doctor comes to play with your doctor. And it's like, you know, people accept that. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they say, I've got to go to the second third So they don't like to use the doctor. And they want to go somewhere else where they can possibly do what they want to do. It only works if they truly believe and that is that. In verse 11 of Isaiah 55, and you can follow, this is, a, this is a, a scripture talking about the compassion of the Lord and his work and, the, and the, even the word going forth. But he says, uh, verse 11, So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. When God 
the message of Christ is proclaimed, and I, I can't get every single thing, but when a message of Christ is proclaimed, for some, it softens and brings them along the gospel path and might convert them at that moment. But for some, it hardens. Right? And some people think, oh, I preached the gospel and no one responded. Well, no, everybody's responded in some way. Some have been, some may have converted, some may have been coming along, and some may be further hardened as they hear God's message and don't want to hear it because they're in their sin and God has not set his love upon them to change their hearts. So God's word always comes back with the fruit he purposes, but we think, Every time I preach the gospel, boy, it's, it's, it's bringing someone further along. Or It, it may, I, you know, but it will always bring them further along in the purpose that God has for it, not in the purpose we have for it. And so we have to understand that when you share the gospel and you're being faithful, you may be hardening people. But that's the purpose that God has for it. Don't, don't stop and say, oh, no, I didn't share it well. They got hardened. You know, we're not hoping for that. We're hoping indeed, uh, you know, that, that they'll be converted. So. Thinking that whether we did it right or not, you know, whatever result we get, that that means whether we were faithful to God or not, that we judge ourselves on what the results are. That's our responsibility. And it's not that we can't. Get, get excited or or and I just want to be careful learn if we do things wrongly because I could have this message um, uh, I, I, rem- I remember with Doug one time and Doug, I'm, I'm not going to tell details here but Doug and I were going through something as friends right and there was something that happened and I just nailed Doug I mean I just you know I got out of my pastoral weapons and and just sliced and diced them. You know? And he came back and he said, Pastor, you didn't need to do that. Jerry, he says, uh, all you would have had to do was just say, that's probably not a very good idea. It's not, it, it wasn't this terrible, it wasn't even this terrible, horrible sin. He says, he says our relationship is that you didn't need to do that, right? I got on an atom bomb, you know, to do what a need, you know, to take out a, a splinter when I could have just taken a little tiny needle and just, you know, operated it that way, right? And so sometimes, you know, because we're so excited about the gospel, we want people to say we take an atom bomb, you know, and all we needed to take with that person was a needle. So we can learn, but it's, but it's always, you know, God's responsibility um, to do that. Uh, Mike? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they're at least dealing with it and, and, and you're getting in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead, Doug, and then we're going to have to end. understand the gospel and how good the news is because grace isn't cheap because you expended all of your wrath for our sin upon your son Jesus it was at great expense great expense to you as the father and great expense to your son Jesus so that we would have grace so that we would have your love we would have his righteousness and therefore now call you Abba Father and come into your presence joyfully because of his finished work may we rejoice in that for Christ's sake and glory Amen